0: This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Joe, Gordon Monson, Jig Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, don't forget, Jazz take on the Knicks tonight from New York. Uh, coming up at 5:30, pregame coverage will begin at 4:30. Uh, so that uh, that means uh, Monson can get to uh, martinis in the hot tub a little bit earlier today.
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Not a I'm martini the, guy, a, shaken a not stirred. <laughs> oh, it's sarsaparilla. I haven't, you know, I haven't had a sarsaparilla in a long time.
2: I I think I, is, is sarsaparilla the root of uh, some plant.
1: I have no clue
2: sarsaparilla plant plant maybe I
1: don't, I don't know buddy you're on your own i haven't even seen <laughs> sarsaparilla you know in a long time all right um uh gordon a couple things to get to and uh, i know this is a sad story but uh, i wanted to mention it because it, it is a big deal to this community uh certainly to uh, to youth fans and I, I actually think the show of um support uh, was something admirable when juxtaposed with other things going on in the world today. But uh, the uh, Ty Jordan funeral service uh, was today, and uh, down in Dallas, mm-hmm. and uh, the Ute football family w- was in uh, a strong show of support, including uh, Kyle Whittingham. And, uh, you know, he closed with these words, which were the most impactful I thought, but I want to read a few of the other things he said, but, uh, but coach Wood said this, the simplest thing I can say is I love Ty and I miss him, which I thought was, was quite moving. Um, but uh, but uh, let, let's read some of these other comments uh, here, Gordon. Uh, here's what Coach Wood had to say. He said, first of all, I want to thank the Jordan family for sending Ty our way. What a special young man. The simplest thing I can say is I love Ty and I miss him. As the head coach of, uh, of the football team, you really have 120 adopted sons. You care for them like they are like." Your sons, we love them. You hurt when they hurt. It's just a simple bond. That's probably the reason I've been uh, in this profession for so long. Is the relationship with these young men? You end up loving them all. He goes on to say, some of them will take a little longer to connect with than others. I connected with Ty on day one. That was an immediate connection. I remember we were at a stretch the first practice. I said, Ty Jordan, what do they call you? T.J. He said, my real name is Ty uh, Corius. But some people call me Ty-Ty. So from that day forward, he was always Ty-Ty Jordan to me. The smile, the infectious personality, and a sparkle in his eyes. I mean, he was just a special young man and a great student. In the short time at Utah, he was well over 3.0 GPA, and he did a fantastic job. Um, Witt did talk some about his performance on the field. Kyle said this, quote, he made a huge impact on the field. Pro football focus in a statistical, analysis, a statistical analysis company, and they rate every player in the country. Ty Jordan this year was rated the number one running back in the Pac-12. When Ty passed, I received so many emails and texts. Uh, there was uh, one that really stood out that I came across in an email, and I want to read it to you. It says, there are some who bring a light so great to the world that that even after they have gone, the light remains, and that's Ty Jordan. He is gone, but he will not be forgotten. One thing I can say for certain is that we will all see Ty again. Someday we will see him again, and that's a guarantee, unquote, from Kyle Whittingham. I thought uh, really strong, uh, appropriate words.
2: I love that kind of thing. I mean, this is a sad situation, but uh, that kind of uh, connection between players and coaches and, and uh, people in sports is uh, is a fine, fine thing. And I believe every word Kyle Whittingham uh, said there, every word of it.
1: Yeah, sometimes coaches can come off as, as insincere because that's what we all envision the coach-player relationship right. to be like, you know, and uh-huh. some coaches preach that and the, the practice isn't necessarily backed up. But I, I found that incre- incredibly touching. And what we know about Coach Witt you know, the sincerity of, of that is, is certainly genuine. And uh, I, I, I liked a number of things. He, he expressed himself personally and, and expressed his feelings, but then, you know, talked about why Ty Jordan was, uh, was special and why everybody's hurting a little bit. And I'm glad he mentioned, uh, you know, how well he did in school. And I'm glad he mentioned uh, how good he was on the field too, because that's that was obviously a big part of who he was. But um, I I just I I was touched by Coach Witt's statements, and I wanted to bring him up on the show uh, even before some stuff happened in the world back in Washington D.C. And I I just feel like it 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 uh, strikes home even more now.
2: Yeah. Yes, uh, and and I like what you said there about bringing up his accomplishments and his talent on the field. When people only look at that, then it's a problem. But you know that was that was part of the bright light. He got everyone's attention with his ability because we didn't know what was going to happen at that position for the Utes, and he just came on in a way that was it was a bright light. And, uh, yeah, he he was fantastic to watch, fun to watch, and just such a bright talent. But the other stuff is, I mean, just makes it that much more impactful and stuff that that Kyle Whittingham noticed. Uh, Kyle's no fool. I mean, he he recognizes the real deal, and uh, he, he did in this guy. And man I tell you it just makes it that much more difficult to accept
1: yeah it's got to be tough and you do uh, you know identify with with young people as a coach and I you know I consider college students adults but there's still young adults who who mm-hmm. look toward you know guidance and leadership and those sorts of things and, and I think the coach's role from that standpoint or that standpoint excuse me is, is extraordinarily important and to be taken very seriously and uh, what comes with that I'm sure is sorrow Um when everything doesn't turn out. Okay. You know, Uh, that, that connection, I mean, it's, it's gotta be difficult. I mean, it's gotta be hard when stuff like this happens.
2: Yeah. Well said, Jake. Okay. And when it, it really hit me, um, when my own kids went off to college and that, that's when it really hit home that these people are young. These people are very young and yeah, some are more mature than others. I get that. But They are kids and they go off and they become adults and it's uh, a sad, a sad thing. But really, you know, it reminds me of that song by uh, Paul Simon and uh, and I think he sang it with Garfunkel, but uh, preserve your memories. They're all that's left us.
1: All right, Gordon, uh, well, let's let's call this segment there uh, right here, and we'll get back into a little basketball uh, coming up right around the corner. Something you and I have been talking about for a, for a minute now as this uh, James Harden saga unwinds. Uh, our friend Howard Beck wrote his first piece. He's been recording a podcast for a couple of weeks, but he wrote his first piece for Sports Illustrated, and it's really good and talking about James Harden and comparing him to Ray Allen of all players. I thought it was a really unique take uh, from his standpoint. Uh, We'll get to that coming up around the corner. We'll also continue to talk some Utah Jazz basketball. Stay tuned. More straight ahead. It's the big show 97.5 and 1280 the zone.
0: This is DJ and PK.
1: Time to bring in Jason Cole, veteran NFL reporter. Is it going to be a bunch of quarterbacks who've already won Super Bowls battling to win one more Super Bowl? The Chiefs are so
2: much better than everybody else in the field when they play hard. They haven't had to play hard except for like 20 minutes at a time. They sort of waste the first 15 or 20 minutes of game, play really hard for 20 minutes, and then they cruise through the last 20 minutes. I've seen them do that time and again. To get back to your original point, I've always rated playoff teams by tell me who the quarterback is. (laughs) That team has a great quarterback. Put them at the top of the list of the teams most
0: likely to win. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Jazz uh, Knicks coming up tonight at 5.30. Uh, pregame begins at 4.30, so stay tuned. Uh, Coach Tim Lacombe going to be along for uh, for the ride as usual and uh, should be a tough one uh, for the Knicks, uh, or excuse me, for the Jazz coming up tonight against uh, the Knicks. But, Gordon, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, our guy Howard Beck and the piece he wrote for Sports Illustrated, which uh, I thought was really good. I could tweet out a link to it. Um, it was certainly worth a read. But talking about James Harden. And uh, of course, he's demanded a trade. We've uh, we've gone at great lengths over the uh, the drama that he's created down there in Houston. By the way, just on a side note, Gordon, I read a, uh, a an article. I think it was in Hoops Hype that was quoting an anonymous scout that was saying, yeah. uh, "When you really truly want out of there, you gotta." Uh, he encourages clients to create chaos. <laughs> well, so <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I thought. I thought, hmm, maybe James Harden is, is getting the same advice. And basically the, the agent was like, you want to make the franchise think uh, that the, you can't go forward another day with this guy. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the problem, right? I mean, ultimately Houston's not going to get the, the value that they feel they want to get uh, from James Harden.
2: So the, the timing on this is really important. you got to measure when – when you can get the most, and at what point does it become diminishing returns?
1: Right. So Howard uh, juxtaposed uh, James Harden and his game to that of the, the Boston Celtics big three when it came together, when Danny Ainge put all that together, right, with Paul uh-huh. Pierce and, and Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. And he specifically examined Ray Allen and, and has a bunch of quotes from Ray throughout the, the story. But uh, talk uh, about how Ray Allen's shots uh, per game went from almost 20 down to about 13 and a half. Huh. And uh, it talked about a specific uh, moment in practice with Doc Rivers where Doc got after Ray for shooting the ball and said, hey, we throw it down to Kevin Garnett. That's our first look on this team. <laughs> you know, yeah. think, of, think of Ray Allen at this point in his career, right? Uh, he had been with Milwaukee and Seattle, and he was the guy. I mean, he yeah. at this point, I think he was like a seven-time All-Star. I mean, he was the dude, one of the best players in the NBA and one of the first practices doc rivers is getting after him big time for taking <laughs> shots and saying we throw it down to kevin garnett on this team uh, there ray
2: uh but i don't i don't care who you are or what you've accomplished in the past there's uh, a new sheriff here right so Me.
1: and then he 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 uh, howard gets into how kevin garnett's shots actually went down that season and how paul pierces did as well but they figured out how to play a role on this particular team and be a championship team. And so, uh, you know, talked about that kind of sacrifice in terms of this is all about me and and compared that to James Harden, that if he goes somewhere and wants to be a contender and wants to win a championship, then he may need to come to a similar uh, revelation.
2: So do you think he would be as stubborn as he might? normally be, would he be more pliable given the eyes that will be on him once uh, once a move is made uh, for him to be, quote unquote, a good citizen as far as the, the workings inner workings of the team?
1: Well, that's that's the big question, right? And Howard did a good job he talked to a couple of executives uh, with an Eastern and Western conference team. Here's where the executive with the Eastern Conference team said, quote, I don't think he is, meaning willing to do what you're talking about, Gordon. Mm. Uh, And then uh, adds, quote, James is like Allen Iverson. He wants to win his way and put up historical numbers while he's winning. I would never question their desire to win, but they all want to win on their own terms, unquote. Wow. Man,
2: see, that's just, (laughs) okay, a player like that, there's no way he's going to be shoved to the side. But do you have to be uh, number one? Do you have to have everything coming your way, uh, if, if you have an opportunity to win? I, come on. That just isn't even – it makes me think of, like, the great Celtics team, you know, when they had Bird and McHale and Parrish and Dennis Johnson, Danny Ainge was on that team, Bill Walton. You know, I mean, there were, there were a lot of options there. And, you know, Bird, I mean, he's a huge star. Some people think he, along with uh, Magic, helped save the NBA when they, when they came on the scene. Do you have to always be the, the, the leading scorer? Do you always have to be the one in the middle of the spotlight? Or would you rather count your rings?
1: Well, see, that's what I think was telling about that quote, where, where this executive said, I would never question their desire to win but they all want to win on their own term, on their terms. So but that's What if
2: that's what if that's incompatible?
1: According to who though? That's the problem. I mean, yeah. ag- according to James Harden, he's good enough to play the way that he does and get over the top. He doesn't agree with your assessment. That I I think that's what that executive is getting to. Like you can he always you can he sell the best option. Yeah, yeah. You can sell that to Allen Iverson. You can say, "Hey, AI, Come in and fall in line, and and we'll go off to Titletown. But AI's thinking to himself, <laughs> "Well, no, the way to Titletown is through this guy." So that's 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 why I thought this story was so good because you get Ray Allen's perspective where he came in and he thought, "I'm the dude." He had that James Harden mentality. I'm Ray yeah. F. Allen, man. I was in. He got game. Come on now, <laughs> give me the rock and let me get it going at the rim. I mean, that's wasn't
2: he wasn't he Jesus Shuttlesworth?
1: I believe that was his name. Yeah. And and he had to learn uh, that that in order to get where he wanted to go, that maybe that wasn't the case. And and that probably depends on on what team that that James Harden would land on. Here's what a Western conference exec had to say, quote, it's hard for me to envision him playing any other way. I'm not sure if that's him or the Rockets, unquote. So he did kind of uh, qualify it there. But I mean, you know, if you're James Harden, do you make the argument that that this is what makes me special playing this way?
2: Yeah, but let's go back to his situation at OKC. I mean, he had to the blend there.
1: Yeah, but he was that was like his second year in the league. True. I mean, true. Th- there's a lot of water that's gone under the bridge since then.
2: Yeah, I suppose. Uh, and so if you're a coach, do you want to deal with that? On, on a team that's already competitive, because that's what we're talking about here him coming in and wanting to be the star and be and win championships. And so if you're a coach and you've already got a, a really good team and you bring in a presence like that, is it going to, is it going to derail the thing or is it going to help the thing? And do you want to deal with that?
1: Um, Just to give you Would an you, idea, if
2: you were the coach,
1: would I want to deal with James Harden in, yeah. uh, in his track record? Not really, no. But would I want to win basketball games? 100%. So, I mean, that's probably what a coach has got to ask, you know. Monty Williams uh-huh. turned down coaching LeBron to coach the Suns last year.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good point.
1: <laughs> he could have been a a, a a championship coach last year if he would have decided did he, did to go to the Lakers. Speci-
2: did he get specific about why he, he did that?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I don't remember. I don't recall.
2: Yeah, me neither. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, if he's going to go somewhere, I wish he would go there. You know, this this has become just such a sideshow, kind of a, just bizarre.
1: But it's not up to him, of course. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that's where the rubber meets the road here is because Houston uh, has, has basically given the whole franchise to James Harden. now that he wants out, they want... <laughs> they want equal value in return, but James oh, is crea- Yeah, James is creating uh, a chaos to up the pressure on Houston. If I'm the Rockets, I sit on James Harden until I get the deal I want. But Harden's probably going to make that more. Uh, you know, try to to come to a head. But there's a team. That, you know, if you're if you're Brooklyn, are you spending what you got to spend to get James Harden to have him come in and what be a role player? <laughs>
2: uh well you better have a talk with him before you make that deal or would that be tampering hmm.
1: well i mean honestly it, james harden is going to have to look at the roster and say you know what kevin Durant and and kyrie irving could be better than me i've got to i've i've got to not be me because they're so good
2: i don't think he's going i agree with anyone who thinks he's not going to be able to get himself to come to that conclusion
1: or at least it's not a sure thing right no. i mean 100% yeah. And if you're a team that that Harden actually wants to go to, you're probably somewhere in title contention and and yeah. do you really want to, you know, disrupt everything for that opportunity that that he could be a special component to your team? Like you know me, I'm I'm no uh fan necessarily of Ben Simmons, but he's playing really well right now and so are the Sixers. So, do you move Ben Simmons to Houston uh, for the chance that James Harden is going to make Joel Embiid better?
2: It seems like we've asked a lot of people this question and we get different answers, you know, all the time. Seems like hasn't Locke said that uh, he he definitely would make that move?
1: If he's Philadelphia?
2: Just in general as far as.
1: Well, yeah, Locke, I mean, Locke's on Team Harden. Locke's a, uh, that's a a thing. Locke, uh, you know, statistically a lot of people love James Harden. But I just don't know if it fits into a concept. It's come close before. You like to mention the the first year with Chris Paul. He's made it to two Western Conference Finals. I mean, that's why it's tough to tell somebody like that to take a backseat. Yeah. I recently yeah. had a, a a friend who's uh, kind of on the outskirts of the basketball world ask me, uh, James Harden for Donovan Mitchell. Who says no first?
2: James Harden for Donovan Mitchell. That's a tough one cuz James Harden's a better player. Right now. James Harden's the better player.
1: He's 31. Yeah. So that's why I say right now.
2: Who were we talking with recently, Jake, who brought up the whole idea of James Harden? Remember we we were talking about two-way players? And uh, he was saying, whoever it was, that James Harden can't play defense because he's got to concentrate at the offensive end. And uh, the, the Rockets have always been willing to allow him to do that because they think that he, getting back to our earlier conversation, he can outscore the opponent even if he doesn't play much defense. And that all that stuff is kind of comes into the, 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 the mental makeup of a team. And so if you're going to bring him in – you better make sure that you've got what it takes to abide that.
1: Well, I'm not so sure Donovan's a two-way player right now.
2: Yeah. But Donovan seems to, the the, uh, the extracurriculars seem to be a little more uh, proper, diplomatic.
1: He's probably a better teammate. I, I'd believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I'm the Jazz, I say no to that. Maybe, I mean, people might. Call me a homer or whatever, but I—if you're the Jazz and you trade for James Harden, you're giving him the team, and I think we've seen how that's gone in Houston. You know, we saw the report of, uh, a few weeks ago uh, where Houston's whole mentality these last few years has been whatever James wants.
2: If I have—if uh, I have uh, known this, I've forgotten it in the meantime. But do you know how his teammates in Houston have felt about him?
1: I know how Chris Paul feels about him. <laughs>
2: He's no longer there.
1: Well, Russell Westbrook and James were supposedly BFFs, and he requested a trade before James Harden did.
2: What are the other guys down there thinking right now?
1: I don't know. I've told you for a long time, I don't think uh, NBA players love standing around and watching James Harden play basketball.
2: <laughs> because well, what's his game? He, he's and Believe me, he, he's a great offensive player, but his game is essentially to handle the ball until he gets fouled, Right.
1: Well, yeah, or, you know, dribble out the clock and uh, dish to somebody at the last second.
2: He does pick up a lot of assists. I think we need to give him credit for that. But, again, he does that on his terms. Just like he wants to win a championship on his terms. I wonder how he would – how would he – what would LeBron do with him?
1: See, LeBron might be the one guy that could tell him to fall in line.
2: Because, obviously, LeBron went out of his way with AD and – helped him and uh and, and but but he he doesn't dominate the ball the way James Harden does and I wonder how LeBron would react to that he, he yeah you're right he'd probably pick him up by the collar and and slam him against the uh locker and, and say look fella uh, I want to take advantage of your talent but not at the expense of the team not at my expense
1: well I mean uh, and he's
2: a very unselfish player LeBron
1: LeBron took the ball out of Dwayne Wade's hand and they made it work. Yeah. So, I mean, LeBron carries that kind of clout because he's LeBron. But I don't know. Even then, James Harden, you know, James Harden can throw MVPs and all NBA teams and all that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah. I mean, he would look, I mean, the guys you already mentioned uh, didn't exactly work out that well.
1: I mean, if he got traded to Milwaukee, uh, would he defer to Giannis?
2: Hmm. I, I can't answer that with uh, with a firm. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, to salvage a, a jazz conversation out of this and, and to emphasize something that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, Donovan Mitchell, who is the best uh, offensive player on this jazz team, his mentality appears to be much more team oriented. And I think that's really positive. And you know what? Maybe he doesn't average 34 points a game. But I, I think it's more, uh, uh, he's more of a key component to the Jazz success. If he evolves into a really uh, good two-way player, I think that that could only help matters. But I think it's definitely a good thing that Donovan Mitchell's game is a good fit for what Quinn Snyder wants. And, and just uh, James Harden was not a good fit for what Mike D'Antoni want, wanted. But Mike D'Antoni adjusted it, which is another thing that Howard mentioned in, in his column. I mean, that his desire for what he wanted to do was so strong and, and had the backing of the franchise that a coach who was notorious for his specific style and system completely overhauled it for this player.
2: Yeah, and I'm telling you, Jake, they, I know that you like to sort of downplay this a little bit, but they came awfully close to winning a championship that year. I mean, how they lost to the Warriors, I still don't exactly understand. And, of course, if they beat the Warriors, they win the NBA title. Uh, it, I mean, that seventh game was crazy at the end.
1: Well, he's and come, come up Carden short.
2: obviously obviously was heavily involved in that.
1: Yeah, but he's come up short a bunch of times in those Game 7s. Yes, and that
2: gets back to what we were talking about. Uh, when whoever we discussed James Harden with, I, I wish I could remember who it was. We were talking about him uh, wearing out at the end of seasons and in in the postseason because he did spend so much time on the ball.
1: Well, I mean, he wants it, so you, you I gotta respect him in a weird way. There, that I mean, he, James Harden doesn't miss a whole lot of games.
2: Have you ever stood next to him? Uh, I have. Yeah, I, when I, he walked by me uh, at the uh, at the arena, uh, not out on the floor, but uh, in the inner bowels there, you know how the players sometimes walk around and whatnot. I was surprised at how tall he is.
1: Yeah, he's big. Yeah, kind of got a, a like a barrel chested type of feel to him too. Like that's actually part of what makes him good. Is he's he's big, strong. Yeah, he's uh-huh. big and he's strong, and he can get to where he wants to go on the floor. I mean. He's, he's no doubt really good at what he does, but is it championship level? Mm-hmm. Unless he changes, like Howard brought up. That's why I thought this right. column at, at SI was so good. Because I think that if he truly wants to be uh, uh, to win a title, then I think that's what he's got to do. If he wants a career like Allen Iverson, which is a Hall of Fame career, and come close a couple of times, but put up uh, uh, crazy numbers and be in the conversation for the best offensive player of all time, well, I don't think that gets him over the hump. My opinion.
2: Well, he- He's gonna end up in the Hall of Fame anyway. So you might as well win a title. Who cares who, who dominates the ball or who scores more points?
1: But speaking you know, of AI, are, remember he, how clunky it was with he and Carmelo?
2: Yeah. I I yeah. I I just that's just it's bewildering to me that a guy wouldn't be willing to adapt, just like Howard said. And win a championship. Or you have a you have an increased shot at doing it. Who wouldn't want to do that? Uh, it just is perfectly clear to me. But
1: Somebody I'm who wants him. to go down in history is the greatest offensive player ever. Or somebody <laughs> who doesn't agree with you that uh, capitulating to others is the best way to do it. yeah Everybody has
2: to capitulate a little bit, don't they?
1: Maybe not, according to James Harden. Yeah. Well...
2: He's created a mess in Houston, that's for sure. Yep. And, um, I, you know, there are all kinds of reports about the reasons for that or what caused that. But uh, I don't know. There's just a, there's a certain decorum, I think, a certain amount of respect you got to have for your team and, and self-respect, too, in how you maneuver these things or manipulate them. And this one has turned into uh, – uh, a uh, chaos is the right word, I'd say. That, that was a really good word.
1: Alright, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Don't forget, pregame starts at 4.30 uh, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.
0: Number one, Make a short- Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest-rated, most-listened-to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here, 97.5-1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
2: They paradise and put up a fucking line.
0: With a pink hotel, a
1: booty, hot spot.
0: You're locked on to the big show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
1: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 in 1280, The Zone. Want to remind you, we're going to be at the warehouse on Friday, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake. Price is so low to blow your mind. It's the warehouse. Gordon, we always like to have this discussion. Is this a cover that is better than the original? Joni Mitchell, of course, with the original.
2: Uh, sounds pretty good.
1: Well, I'd say it was probably more popular than the original. That's why I'm wondering do you like this or the original?
2: really I mean when I think of this song I think of the original
1: now maybe it's a generational thing because this yeah, was uh, this version of this was very popular when I was in high school
2: when, when I hear this song I think of Joni Mitchell
1: so you're going with the original
2: yeah I'll go with the original
1: it, this is much more peppy the original is it's a little bit more
2: yeah that is true you know, they're, 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 this sounds good I mean I'm not uh, slamming it one way or the other
1: but Joni Mitchell has an amazing voice I mean the like sweet sorrow of this song in its original form is is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Trevor Lawrence did what we were all expecting. He declared himself eligible, uh, for the draft, and uh, I mean he's going to go to the Jaguars, right? And yep. and the Jags apparently are are trying to convince Urban Meyer to coach, but he wants like thirteen million dollars a year, and there's a chance the Chargers might want his services as well. Um, so I, I guess two questions for you. Let's let's start with this one. We'll get to Urban here in a second. If you're Trevor Lawrence, what do you think about Jacksonville as a landing spot? Or, or would you care?
2: I would care, but there's not a whole lot he can do about it. Uh, so I, I would just accept going there and do everything I could to, to build a, myself into a, a, a championship quarterback.
1: Yeah, I, I hear you. And, and, hey, I'd go live in Florida. Sign me up. But the, the thing with Jacksonville is that franchise is, is the, the wasteland of the NFL. <laughs> I mean, even when they're good, nobody cares.
2: Yeah, but you say the same thing about, the, well, that's not true of the Jets, but you, you think that's a disaster too. So, I mean, when you're, when you're that good, you're that highly thought of, you're gonna, chances are you're going to go to a bad team.
1: Yeah, but sometimes you, you luck into a better bad team than others, right? I mean, yeah, you know, Andrew yeah. Luck goes to, to the Colts, and they were able to put it together in pretty short form, you know, the same when Peyton Manning went to the Colts.
2: Weren't the Jags h- headed in the right direction just a couple of years ago? They were.
1: They they made it to what? a, a um, An NFC championship game, right? With Leonard Fournette and uh, the Blake Bortles before they gave up on him.
2: Yeah. yeah. But so, that was
1: short-lived, and they certainly were not that this year.
2: Does he have any power as far as the uh, the uh, the management of the team? I mean, because they kind of got him. I mean, there's nothing he can really do about
1: them oh, there's wanting some, him to come there. Well, there's, so many, so there's he, something he could do. 100%. What's his,
2: what's his flex? Does he say, okay, I want I want this quarterback's coach? I, I want this offensive coordinator,
1: or I want to play somewhere else. I mean, go ask Eli Manning how that goes,
2: <laughs> yeah, was or your go boy, to or your boy John, John Elway. Elway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, hey, I'm not sure that Trevor uh, does. Trevor play baseball? I don't know.
1: Well, Eli Manning didn't play baseball, and he didn't end up playing in San Diego either.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the, you know, the, the, the back room dealings. As far as what's possible and what isn't, but if I were him and everything else were equal, I go, I go in, I go to Jacksonville, and I say I'm going to work my tail off and I'm going to lead this team by example and I'm going to show the guys what I got and uh, hope for the best. But what would be really frustrating is once you get there, once he gets there and he looks around and says, "This is a joke," then what?
1: Well, he'll have he cash uh, the checks. Yeah. And and, uh, you know, the players have a lot of power these days, even in the NFL, maybe not as much as the as the NBA. But uh, oh, let me ask you this about Urban Meyer, because I've been asking myself this for the last uh, several days. Do you think he would be a good NFL coach?
2: Um, I think he would have to adjust uh, because he's got an awful lot of power at the college level he, and he's wielded that power. And, and I guess Bill Belichick could get away with that but uh urban Meyer I think would have to find a way to communicate with the professional players and you you gotta do that a little differently you gotta treat your players with a little more respect I think but on the other hand he knows that he's a smart guy he you know he he's really a bright guy when it comes to uh uh, putting together a winning football program. And, and I think he could do that at the pro level. I don't think it would be a Nick Saban situation where he would be a flop.
1: I, I, I don't
2: think that would happen.
1: I think it might. With Urban. I, I think it might. Could.
2: It could. But he's a pretty smart man. And yeah. he's he so knows how Saban. to manipulate. He knows how to manipulate. <laughs> True. He knows how to manipulate people and, and make it work. Um
1: you you don't get a what? nickname like the old ball coach without knowing what you're doing yet. How'd that go for uh, for Spurrier <laughs> with uh, the Washington football team?
2: Well, Nick Saban may be the most uh, just the plainest example we can think of because he just could not put it together for the Dolphins. But we we've seen what he's capable of doing at the college level, so.
1: But it, uh, and on it, on the other side of it, Gordon Jimmy Johnson made it work, right? Uh you know, yeah. he was he was really good with the Cowboys. But here's the thing with my opinion about Urban. I don't he's he's made a lot of hay on his offensive philosophies mm-hmm. because they're really good at the college level. In fact, they've really revolutionized college football in a lot of ways and he's been at uh, at the head of that. Uh much like Chip Kelly. I don't know if those philosophies are working at the NFL level. I just don't but know. But do you think
2: he would do you think he would stay with those same philosophies or would he uh, observe the situation and look at the personnel, and then say, "Okay, th- we have to we have to change this. We have to do this differently." It, he's he's crafty, man. Okay, he's but crafty.
1: but fine. But his philosophy is what's made him good. You know, I can look at a, a situation and say, "You know what? This calls for is a male model," and uh, I'm not going to morph <laughs> myself into a male model all of a sudden. So uh, and then the other thing, I think he gets a lot out of motivation and those sorts of things with his team mm-hmm. by, uh, you know, ruling like an authoritarian. That's true. And, and that's how he gets a lot out of his players. And I definitely don't think that act uh, would go over well uh, in the pros, just like it didn't for Nick Saban, who's got the biggest ego of anybody on the planet. And he yeah. stepped into well, an NFL locker room like, hey, you guys are going to do what I say. And they were like, mm, maybe not. And
2: it runs deep deep with Urban because this is the way he was raised. His dad was uh, an authority figure, and uh, it was his way or the highway, man. And Urban was brought up in that environment. One of his biggest uh, influences in coaching was Earl Bruce, and Earl was that same way. And that's that's the way he – although he did say that when he went to Colorado State under – Oh, what was the guy's Dang. name?
1: Sonny Lubick. Sonny.
2: Sonny Lubick. Uh, that Sonny did things completely differently, and he said that he had to adapt to that. And I remember talking to Shelley about that, and he, she said that he had a big influence on, on Urban uh, learning how to, uh, how to motivate out of love instead of fear. And so I, but I don't know, Jake. I guess if you ask the question, uh, do you think he'll be successful, I guess I think he'd be successful. I don't know it. There would be a chance that he wouldn't be. But if you had to, get, if I had to pick one other, he'll be successful or he will not be successful. I think I would edge toward the successful side. Uh, it doesn't mean he'll he'll win Super Bowls, but I, I think he could succeed at the NFL level with a few adaptations.
1: Yeah, I just am not that convinced. I'm not that. So
2: which which side? Of that, if you had to pick one side or the other, which way are you going? Not. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Well, the other thing is in college football, and Urban has been really good at this. In certain situations, you are at a way bigger advantage than others. You know, I think Taking one of Sabin's has the talent. Yeah, the one of Saban's problems was I think he probably got in there and he's like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't have way better <laughs> players than the other guy." <laughs> you mean you mean yeah. my team isn't uh, isn't vastly superior on every level to the team across the way from me? Oh boy.
2: This is is akin to what we're talking about with James Harden. Is Urban humble enough to say, okay, I will come coach your team, but I need this personnel guy calling the shots as far as drafts and things like that go. Would, Would he understand that and be humble enough to say, okay, yeah, I need this guy.
1: Yeah, but I the, can't do that myself. But the draft and free agency and everything makes it so much different than than college football, where I, you I know, get the you get the pick of the litter and they're stuck with you. Yeah, uh, you know it's it becomes a lot more well, well, like when college coaches are so great, are they so great because of the coaches that they are or the recruiters that they are? And and obviously the answer is is some sort of combination of both. But right. you know how would Mike Shashevsky do at the at the NBA level? Yeah, how did John Calipari do at the NBA level? Terribly, but yet every place he goes gets the best players in the country, and he's had all sorts of success. Not that not that Calipari doesn't know what he's doing X's and O's wise, but you know the fact that he's the recruiter that he is uh, puts him at a big time advantage.
2: Well, that's why I was so curious to see what would have happened had Urban Meyer stayed at Utah because he was winning games with max players.
1: I I totally agree with that sentiment. But even at Utah, compared to the Mountain West at the time, he had a recruiting advantage over most of those schools.
2: Yeah. And that whole idea of him going into a into a place and like running off twenty five players right off the bat that of course you can't do that at the pro level. And that was a big part of what he liked to do.
1: Well, you can.
2: And <laughs> well,
1: I don't know how it would go. You know,
2: that makes me wonder if Phil Belichick. How much luck is involved in good coaching? Because every coach worth his salt will tell you that you have to have the players in order to be a successful coach.
0: Well, and
2: he found himself in a situation where he had the kinds of players necessary to to build what they had in New England. But we saw this year, did suddenly Bill Belichick forget everything he knew about coaching football? If you don't have the talent, you're not going to win. Yep.
1: Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, Phil Jackson took jobs with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant.
2: If I were a professional, if I were Urban Meyer, I would find the best uh, personnel guy in in the world and say, look. We're going to pay you this amount of money. You come with me and then that 13 million is worth it for me to make that jump. But 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 it might take some time, but I would need somebody really smart to make crafty moves to get the personnel I need to be successful as a coach. And that's the problem at most of the places where a coach would would be fired and giving Urban an opportunity to be hired. Well, they're not usually in great shape.
1: If I were Urban. who,
2: Who do you think? Was San Diego the best opportunity, you think, for him to replicate what he did in college?
1: Well, see, that's the thing. If I'm Urban Meyer. I wait for uh, Andy Reid's players to go trade some paraphernalia for tattoos, <laughs> and then I just slide right in as coach of the Chiefs. Oh, nice. Oh, I mean, man. that seems like the best way to go, right? Why build it from scratch when you can just take that sucker over and keep it rolling?
2: What's that guy doing with the uh, with the uh, with a vest and whatever happened to him?
1: Jim Tressel. Mm hmm. Uh, he was coaching, I, I believe, like it was either junior college or FCS there for a minute, but I'm not sure.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he, at
1: Youngstown State, which is where he came from, right, before Ohio State?
2: He might want to just, yeah, he might want to wait for, if he wants to coach in the NFL, he might want to wait for a good team to have their coach retire and then take over.
1: Right, or, or arrested mm-hmm. for some reason or something. Uh, <laughs> let's see, Pre- Trestle's actually the president at Youngstown State. How about that? Oh, is he really? He's in wow. academics now. So there you go. Well, Probably living the dream. Although you know it's got to be hard to to just turn over a championship caliber college football team because you know.
2: How do you think? Uh, how do you think Jim gets recruits, students to Youngstown State?
1: I don't think he cares anymore.
2: <laughs> no, you still want the brightest you can get, right? So is he like offering up some sort of goodies on the side
1: for for like your your social majors? What are you talking about? <laughs>
2: Well, every university wants the, the best students they can get.
1: Oh, man, I, I would imagine that he's just the biggest celebrity that's ever been connected to that university, and he's probably taking a nap in his office.
2: Maybe. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm glad you could just relegate him to such a status uh, with one sentence.
1: Well, there's probably people out there that just donate to the school because he's the president.
2: Yeah, Maybe. I don't know what was his problem at Ohio State again. He the tattoo thing they were going yeah, and getting was, tattoos.
1: His players were trading like jerseys and cleats and autographs and things for free tattoos, mm-hmm. and he knew about it because there was correspondence back and forth. I think if I remember correctly, there was there was a third party involved. Does um, that
2: seem relatively mild compared to what we hear about certain college basketball coaches involved with?
1: Yeah, but there was a paper trail. That's the problem.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, your okay. trails
1: yeah you got to cover your tracks make sure the feds aren't tapping your phones
2: when the feds get involved you might be in trouble
1: might might not uh, last i checked bill self is still uh, roaming the sidelines there at <laughs> kansas and what, what's that bozo's name down in uh what uh will wade at lsu oh yeah and yeah, uh, not guy. to mention uh, our guy down there at arizona Sean? Sean Miller, still gainfully employed, so it looks like the, the feds didn't exactly uh, do he that. Thought
0: he was doomed.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, he should He's be like doomed. He, doomed. he <sighs> might still be doomed.
2: Uh, and instead, these guys are glorified because that, that is college basketball. It's the coach. It's not the players.
1: Hey, Jim, uh, we know uh, you've got a national title-caliber team here at Ohio State, but... Uh, Got a bit of a tat issue, and uh, Urban Meyer's uh, waiting at the door. So, <clears throat> how about heading back to Youngstown State?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So that's well,
2: I kinda, now. I kind of hope it happens because I want to find out the, the end of the story. You want to see Herb
1: go to the go to the Jaguars and win three games a year?
2: Well, I mean, I want to see if he can do it. Like I said, Bill Belichick suddenly became pretty stupid this last season.
1: Who's the best? Uh, who's the best college coach turned NFL coach? Not uh, other sports, just football. Is it Jimmy Johnson? It's got to be, right? Ooh. Barry Switcher, I guess, won a Super Bowl, but I'd still put Jimmy in front of him, right? Well, yeah. it was all with Jimmy's Jimmy stuff, though, or, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Or Bill Bill Walsh, though, he was at Stanford before San Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. I think that's got to be the answer.
2: Well, Bill Walsh was a great, great coach. How many
1: Super Bowls did he win with the Niners? Because I know Seifert got the last one, right? Did Walsh did he get, get the three other? Or four was I think it was three.
2: Three,
1: and then and then Seifert got the fourth. So Bill Walsh has got to be the answer. Close yeah, second nice. for Jimmy Johnson.
2: Uh, did any of the other greats uh, coach at the college level? I don't I don't know. Did uh, Vince Lombardi coach at the college level? Not that I know of. They might have somewhere at the beginning of their coaching careers.
1: What about uh, Chuck Knoll? Is he a college coach first?
2: Yeah, that I don't know. Do not know.
1: But we'll see. But
2: it, they are different games, and they are different environments, and there are different advantages and disadvantages. And uh, uh, I bet you most most NFL coaches are sitting there going, "Yeah, Urban, you want to make your thirteen million? You come join us, and we'll see how you do, buddy."
1: All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead. Don't forget, pregame takes over at 4.30. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.